Good morning, Twitter. I'm Saeed Jones. He is Isaac Fitzgerald. We are currently living in Isaac's favorite episode of Black Mirror, hence the close, and you are watching AM to DM. I am coming in hot. Here's a tweet from Wax Pancake. Want to see a really bad bug? You can FaceTime any iOS device running 12.1 and listen in remotely without the other person answering the call. That is pretty creepy, but it's not just audio. BuzzFeed News tech reporter Nicole Wynn tweeted, we found out that the FaceTime bug doesn't just give the caller access to the recipient's microphone, except if Do Not Disturb is on. If they press volume up or down, it exposes their iPhone's front-facing camera too. Fuck all that. <laughs> Fuck everything about that. Uh, so, one, some context. Isaac is one of those people. I'm not saying that you're totally unreasonable, clearly, mm, mm. Um, but like you, like you put like black tape over like your computer. Yeah, camera. I mean, you use you, word you would use is paranoid, <laughs> except for it's not paranoia. Yeah, it's, if your paranoia proves to be true, you make a good case. You know me. I'm on the case of like ah, privacy, whatever. I have no dignity left. So, um, and and truly, last night by chance, like I, I was like like on my phone nonstop as always, but I was also like in the bathtub with the candles lit, listening to like Ariana Grande on repeat, you know, uh, via my Google Home, which is probably spying on me too. And I like was like reading and I was like, oh, this is, and like literally I realized that I was like reading the article about this FaceTime bug while I'm like, oh, this is, and then I was like, well, you know, hey. You're like, get my good angles, FBI agent. Welcome to my Twitch channel. And <laughs> that's the thing though, that's the thing, like, Ooh. Listen, it's one thing if it is the, the FBI or something, right? right? But this could be your boss. This could be your ex. This could be yeah. so many things. Do you think people were like reading the article last night and like trying and spying on people? I mean, I tried to spy on you for sure. No, 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 no. I'm just joking. I'm joking. Privacy is real and it's important. And that was a good, bad joke. Good. I do want to say this though. Front-facing camera? Right. If you're going to hack any camera, at least do the good one. When, right. when Front-facing camera's all yeah. like, oh. And we can little, I'll retweet this, but we learned. I learned from Quinta Brunson yesterday on Twitter. We were talking about the front-facing um, camera, and there's actually science behind why we look so bad that way. Yeah, and man. I was like, oh man, so this is just bad on all kinds of levels. At least hack the good camera, but oh. joining oh. us now to help me calm down <laughs> is New York Mag Tech writer Jake Swearingen. Good morning, Jake. Hi. So listen, Jake, when can I stop freaking out? Uh, well, you can probably stop freaking out right now. Um, at about, uh, 10 30 last night, Apple shut down, uh, the FaceTime group servers, which were allowing this bug to occur. That said, uh, I know for myself, I'm keeping FaceTime disabled until Apple officially gives like an all clear and probably until they push an update on iOS, which will happen. Later. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, when can you officially stop freaking out about privacy on your phone? Uh, also, I mean, the answer to that is never. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, appreciate it, you, Jake. I appreciate you saying it's that. It's so funny. I mean, Isaac and I have been best friends for, woo, we're getting close to a decade at this point, mm -hmm. actually. Um, and his paranoia, like, I've just kind of began to move. It's like the, the pendulum has swung to, I'm like, damn, he was just ahead of his time. Um, but yeah, just to be clear, for people like myself, because I did this last night too, it is possible to just like turn off FaceTime and settings, right, in the meantime? Yeah, you just go to general, uh, you go to, you know, your settings thing, go to general FaceTime, and then you just flip it off. It's, uh, it's very quick, and uh, um, again, I would, 
highly recommend uh, everybody do it right now um, just because it is unclear. Apple has done some stuff on their server side, but it's unclear about whether it worked. It's worked. And uh, I would just, it's better to err on the side of safety right now. So err on the side of safety, turn off FaceTime. We're expecting like a fix to this bug, probably from Apple in the not too distant future. But let me ask you this, Jake. Why does stuff like this keep happening? Mm. Like how, how, how come we're not all just like throwing our phones into the ocean? I mean, why we're not all throwing our phones into the ocean is that we're all massively addicted to them. Uh, why this keeps happening is so Facebook groups, which allowed this bug to occur, uh, was something that was relatively recently pushed to uh, iPhone. Um, and the way that you uh, sort of eavesdropped on people doing this was actually a, a kind of weird sequence of events. You would need to FaceTime, call somebody, and then add a new person to that call. And the person that you would add to that call would be yourself. So it's this very like illogical thing that you would never think to do, which is how a lot of like major bugs get through uh, quality assurance testing. Is It's just this odd sequence of events that nobody would ever think to do. And then one person discovers it, and then it just spread like wildfire um, through Twitter and Snapchat. Uh, people were really finding out about it yesterday. Uh, and so then people started doing it to each other. I mean, I was able to eavesdrop on a couple of friends and family last night uh, pretty easily. So uh, yeah, why it keeps happening. Uh, software is really complicated. Our phones are growing ever more complicated. And it's hard to anticipate every single thing that you can do with a piece of software, particularly when it's right out of the gate. Um, I don't know. Life's complicated, I guess. Life is complicated. Speaking of which, though, real quick before I let you go, did you learn anything when you spied on your friends or your family? Uh, my, my dad uh, is uh, getting pretty good at piano. Uh, he was playing some Gershwin. Sounded pretty good. So, uh, not good on my dad. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> what a classy family you I come from, it. Jake. Well, thank you so much for joining us and helping me calm down a little bit. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the calmness for the next uh, three or four minutes. Yep, yep, that's true. You can tell when people watch our show. Um, we have a tweet here from Jen. She said, "Hello, technology is going to kill us all." Uh, you know, shout out to Westworld season three. Um, I, I wanted to point out. I mean, Isaac and I, of course, were at um, CES, the the tech conference. Um, earlier this month and I was thinking about when you were kind of going around asking people what are the what's the trends that people are emphasizing aside from 5G. Ooh, they are all so excited about They're 5G. They're so excited. Um, the CES crowd. But also it was a lot of integrated like home technology, you know, and just like the Google Homes and all this. And there was like more and more examples of that where this, as he mentions, the software and stuff is being further integrated into our lives. So yeah, I think this is just gonna keep happening. Yeah, man, it's in your refrigerator. I've seen smart refrigerators. I'm seeing smart toasters. Uh -huh. I saw CES, yeah, someone mentioned that there was like smart um, like patio umbrellas. <laughs> you don't need that. Okay, Twitter, let's take this stress to the timeline. Um, what's the next electronic device you expect to find out is also spying on us? Let us know using the hashtag Alexa, play seven rings. Oh, man, you make me so nervous. Well, listen, here's a tweet from our president, Donald Trump. In the beautiful Midwest, wind chill temperatures are reaching minus 60 degrees, the coldest ever recorded. In coming days, expected to get even colder, people can't last outside, even for minutes. What the hell is going on with global warming? Please come back fast. We need you. To be clear, the, the, the you there is the president 
talking to global warming with the spelling error in that tweet as if it's a person and it's just like gonna come back and hang out. Mm, well, uh, mm, <laughs> mm. Dan Broadbent, AKA science enthusiast, replied to the president's tweet with this, glad you asked. <laughs> the polar vortex is supposed to stay at the North Pole, but a dwindling sea ice from climate change has caused the vortex to split in three places. And that's why it's cold down here. Polar vortex splits like this will become more common as climate change worsens. I feel like the um, uh, glad you asked is like the science version of like people in media being as per my last email. <laughs> you know, it's really like you That's bargain real. basement bitch. I can't believe I have to explain this again. But and here now we are. I'm gonna hit you with the facts. <laughs> and listen to talk even more facts. Climatologist Dr. Judith Cohen joins us now. Good morning, doctor. Good morning. Pleasure to be here. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's start here. How cold are we talking? Um, well, in the upper Midwest, it's uh, historic cold. Uh, I know Chicago will challenge their all-time uh, record cold temperature of minus 27 degrees Fahrenheit. So, I mean, it's, this is pretty cold stuff. Pretty uh, cold and stuff. Wind chill of, you know, minus 50 to minus 60. So, you know, dangerous cold. Dangerous cold. I mean, I was just disturbed. Even by, you know, my understanding of like winter in Chicago or Wisconsin, this is bad. Do we have a sense of how long um, and, and how rare uh, an event like this is going to be? Well, this event is, is uh, pretty short-lived. It's maybe two, two to three days. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's been a few decades, I think. People talk about that maybe last time was mid-90s since we had cold this intense in the upper Midwest. And then it was a famous Arctic outbreak before that in the mid-80s, 1985. Actually, the, the low temperature in Chicago was at, you know, from that January 1985 Arctic outbreak. So, I mean, um, I think it used to be Arctic outbreaks of this intensity used to maybe, maybe be a little more frequent than they are now. Uh, but, but, you know, this definitely historic stuff. Um, so you brought up about the polar vortex and the, the extreme or severe winter weather that, that occurs with a, a, a polar vortex breaking up into, into two or three pieces, it tends to be episodic. So it's not continuous cold or, you know, it doesn't continuously snow, but you get these uh, periods uh, of, you know, more intense winter weather, and then you get a break, you know, the temperatures turn mild, maybe it doesn't snow for a while. So um, I think, you know, I think what we're seeing is consistent with that. So I wouldn't expect, you know, just end to end, you know, cold for the next, month, but I think we will see these periods, uh, kind of highlighted periods or, you know, in, in, uh, periods of more intense winter weather. Wow. Almost like these waves of intense winter weather. Yeah. Um, just to speak yeah. practically, you used the phrase, this is, this is a dangerous cold. Uh, yeah. What can people do in the areas that are going to be affected to best protect themselves? Well, my, you know, my expertise is, 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 is the meteorology, or, you know, the weather and the climate. <laughs> you know, I'm not a, um, I'm not a, you know, a, policy person or um, manage, you know, emergency management type of person. So, I mean, I stay indoors, I guess, and turn the heat on, but, uh, uh, you know, be my, my, again, this is a, it's a relatively short, you know, period of really intense, you know, life-threatening cold. So, I mean, if, if any people can do whatever they can to just wait it out, I, I think that'd be, you know, that'd be my advice, but this is, um, there, there are people better than myself to, to give advice on how to 
you know, protect from the cold. And I want to highlight why I am so grateful you joined us this morning, uh, Dr. Cohen, because I love a scientist who is willing to say, that's not my area of expertise, and the best thing I can do is not talk about things I don't know well. So I just really... <laughs> He's like, you ain't gonna catch me out here giving out fake advice. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I uh-huh. love it. I love it. Well... So I- I've been shocked enough to, uh, you know, tase it enough times when I kind of wander outside of my area to, to try to stay in my lane. So Yeah, and listen, on Twitter, we call that growth. Dr. Judah Cohen, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, yeah, my pleasure. Great, great being here. All right, I love that. Know your limits. Yeah, amen, know your amen. Limits. Stay in your lane. Totally. Um, well, here's a tweet about the polar vortex from Sam Charles this morning. Reminder to reporters out there in the Midwest don't forget your pencils in the next few days um, because ink pens are going to freeze. Your phone girl mm-hmm. is going to freeze. If you're out there, like words like negative 40 degrees, yeah. I mean, this, <laughs> we're going to see some real effects. Wow. And it, it's going to be troubling. Yeah. But listen, Twitter, let's take it to the timeline. What's the wildest experience you've had in cold mm-hmm. weather? Let us know using the hashtag am 2 Climate change is real. Real. Not, yeah. not not somebody that you can just address and ask to come back, <laughs> Mr. President. You fucking dumbass. Uh, stories. I love a Blizzard story. Yeah, go. Uh, Snowpocalypse. Uh-huh. I was trying, and I don't know if she's watching this morning, but Tanya Melendez, I was trying to meet her and some friends um, in the Times Square area to go to the Russian vodka room. And, Ooh. you know, nothing gets, gets between me and a good night out. Uh-huh. Um, but the because of Snowpocalypse, it was like streets still had been plowed. It was, like, really crazy. Um, and I was coming from the airport, so I, like, I got a cab to, like, Manhattan and then just got one of those pedicabs, like, with my roller suitcase. Yes. Like, zoom, zoom, yeah. zoom, zoom. Just sliding all over the place. Yeah. I and absolutely love it. Have some vodka to I, warm up. I absolutely love it. Speaking of warming up, my cold weather story is basically a little childhood Isaac story. Yep. I grew up in a house. Part of my childhood only had a wood stove. <laughs> and what we did, we had the bricks beneath the wood stove. We would take those bricks out in the evening time and you'd put it in your bed about 20 minutes before you got into bed uh, so it wasn't like ice cold sheets. Yeah. You'd have a nice warm toasty bed. I kind of like it. I I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not going to present okay. <laughs> It's toasty, man. It's, it works. Also, uh, we just wanted to say real quick before we ended the segment, yes. a quick update on the layoffs here at BuzzFeed. Davey Alba tweeted, the BuzzFeed staff council met with Jonah Peretti yesterday afternoon and it was nerve-wracking. But the company has committed to paying out earned paid time off. Yeah, and for people who are following it, please, you know, you can just check out Davey's tweets. And um, we just want to shout out uh, to our coworkers and our comrades, as I've come to think of people who are leaving the company but continuing to advocate for pay time off. Uh, we've been following this, and BuzzFeed News staff council, uh, made of people like Davey, um, you know, have just been organizing, gathering people's concerns um, in, in, in such an organized way, um, and taking it to our CEO, Jonah. And I'm glad that happened. Uh, I'm glad that uh, Jonah listened because this is just, I think, the right thing to do. Listen, it's a very, very thin silver lining on what is already pretty dark time. These layoffs are difficult, but shout out to the staff council. Mm-hmm. They have done so much incredible work, yeah. and it was good to see Jonah reverse his decision yeah, on that. It was, it was good to cry last night for a good reason for once for the last few days. Well, we've got another great show for you today. Later this morning, I sit down with Nicole Scherzinger. I'm so excited. We're going to loosen up. Mm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mm. But up next, it's time for Fire Tweets. Listen up our Fire Tweet button. That's That's good. I see what you did.
Welcome back, it's time for Fire Tweets. We are so excited to be able to laugh this morning. Our first Fire Tweet comes from somebody who goes by the name Chris Evans. I know what you're thinking, okay. White coworker just now points to my desk and <laughs> says, is that like a condiment? Uh, it's cocoa butter. Mm. It's not. You don't put that on the pasta? I mean. It's not, uh, you don't <laughs> spread it on the bread? Make a nice pina colada. It smells very good. It does. Uh, and of course, as bland as most people's white food is. I'm just saying cocoa butter is one of those things that smells so good where like, I'm kind of like, what if I? Don't do it, don't do it. What if I? I will say also though, I was confused by the Chris Evans yeah. name. Cause I, I, at first I thought it was like, Chris Evans, Chris Evans, right, out right. here being, I was like, that's a, I yeah. get it, man. You're on the right side of history, but you're maybe a little too far with this one. <laughs> uh, but I was glad to see, not that Chris Evans. Yeah, and this is like not Captain America. All right, we yeah. stand, we stand yeah. it. All right, let's get into this next tweet. <laughs> Majesty Rhea tweeted, sometimes you just got a book of flights scheduled seven plus months from now and just trust that you will have it all together by oh, then. Oh, dang, what's that, seven Absolutely. months? Absolutely. That's like... July? That's the thing, man. Especially when life's yeah. a little rough, you're kind of like, how do you plan a vacation? Mm -hmm. I have no idea what life's mm -hmm. gonna be like seven months from now Ooh. to get some of those good airplane tickets. Yeah, I think maybe four months is the longest I've ever like really planned out a trip. All and right. I felt fancy. <laughs> you're like, my life, is, my life is together. Like, look at him now. <laughs> All right, our next fire tweet comes from Musu. My roommate told me not to use her stuff, so I naturally told her not to use mine. Uh, now she's crying because she, because she can't sit at the dining room table or in the living room, can't use the microwave, and doesn't have Wi-Fi either. Woo! I hope you don't pay the heat bill. Oh no! <laughs> you can't. Oh, and the laughing. It's that's just, cold. That's, that's just, <laughs> do you ever have a roommate that's just like, hey, now nah, you can't touch my stuff? Me. <laughs> Tazi tweeted, Governor Cuomo pretended phone went dead when asked about endorsing Mayor de Blasio. This isn't so much a fire tweet as it is a fire moment. Yeah, just a, a fire uh, side of politics. Um, Bill de Blasio, Andrew Cuomo, you know, are just so petty. They hate each other so much. They deserve <laughs> each other. <laughs> they are, yeah, lock them in a room together, mm, actually, mm. let them work it out. But Cuomo was on a radio show overnight, um, and the host asked, you know, hey, 2021 mayoral elections coming up. Would you endorse Bill de Blasio if he ran for re-election? Cuomo was silent on the call for 15 seconds. That is a really long time on radio. And then pretended like he was losing reception, like, Ah! Oh, I'm in the polling board. I'm man. coming up on a tunnel. <laughs> Could you imagine? I Could can't. You, how do you not have an answer for that? It's just like, you know what? I don't want to talk about this right now. He's just panicking like a 17-year-old trying to drive home and he's missing curfew. Just like, oh, I'm sorry, uh -huh. mom. I can't hear you. Uh -huh. I can't. Oh, no. It's all. Oh, oh, man. I'm just surprised that Bill de Blasio didn't speak up in that moment and be like, surprise, bitch. I'm using the FaceTime bug. I hear every word. <laughs> this conversation. Anyway, gosh, those two. Get it together guys. All right, ready for tweet of the day. Let's do it. Comes from Nicole. When I go to a website and my computer fan turns on, that's how I know it's a good website. Ooh, <laughs> that feels good. Yeah, when you hear it, getting into overdrive. Ooh, this website's gonna have some graphics. Ooh, yes. One of those images just gonna start coming down like this. Yes, baby. <laughs> Things are moving. All right, well listen, coming up, Saeed sits down with Nicole Scherzinger, but up next, we are going live from the district to talk with Emma Lou. Sorry, I can't hear you. Yes, I said going into a
Welcome back, friends. We are going live from the district with BuzzFeed News Capitol Hill reporter Emma Loop. Good morning, Emma. Good morning, Saeed. Hi. All right, well, Emma, with the polar vortex coming through the states, What's the coldest temperature you've ever had to experience in the Great White North? And that is, of course, Caucasian lingo for uh, Canada. <laughs> so there was this one time, actually, where I was waiting for a city bus, and it was minus 38 with wind chill. Now, minus 38 Celsius. And I looked this up, and that's about minus 36 Fahrenheit. So um, I, I wanted to die. Yeah. Why, who, who let you outside? Where did you have to go that was so important you were taking a bus? Uh-oh, it cut out. The feed cut out. Oh, oh it seems like oh, I got we've been so, cool mode. I got so upset that Emma has... Emma lost sound for a second. Emma has lost... Oh, she doesn't have... Well, let's just keep talking about... It. So she said it was negative 37. Yeah. That is, I mean, here's the thing. I, I don't hate it if she was like, going to work, you assholes. I don't think I actually get to lecture anyone on this because here's the thing. I just, I've lived in New York for five years. Uh -huh. Just this season is the first actual winter yeah. jacket I bought. It's That's the true. first time I haven't just been layering jean jacket, jean jacket, <laughs> pea coat, sweatshirt. All right, all right. But <laughs> okay. we got Emma back. I think we have Emma again. Right. Hi, Emma. Where, Isaac had a good question. Where the hell, where, or in the cold hell, were you trying to go in Canada where it was negative 37 degrees outside? I was in Ottawa where I used to live. Um, and I was just, I was leaving my boyfriend's house trying to get back home at night and it was so cold. The bus didn't show up for like half an hour. It was awful. <laughs> Never date anybody. That's the lesson <laughs> I'm taking from that. Let's get to the politics. I was like, living in sin. All right, here's a tweet from you, Emma. Um, Representative Adam Schiff says, Michael Cohen has agreed to testify voluntarily before the House Intelligence Committee in a closed session on February 8th. I could not stop laughing. Whew, okay, we will continue to work with Mr. Cohen and law enforcement in order to protect Mr. Cohen and his family. All right, so Emma, along with the House Intelligence Committee, how busy is Cohen's February with all the testimonies he's scheduled to give? What's his dance card look like? So yeah, he's gonna be talking to House Intel uh, behind closed doors in February. He's also going to be testifying publicly, it seems, before the House Oversight Committee. He canceled that testimony last week uh, because he was he said he was, or his lawyer said that he was receiving threats from the president to him and his family. Um, there was a tweet from Trump that referred to Michael Cohen's father-in-law saying to look into him. So it might have been in reference to that. Uh, but there's been some reporting that that is back on. It hasn't been confirmed by the committee yet. So we'll see what happens. And then he's also apparently been subpoenaed by the Senate Intelligence Committee, which is actually holding its worldwide threats hearing right now with all the leaders of the intelligence community. Uh, so he's going to be appearing before that committee behind closed doors as well. Okay, so a lot of closed doors. Will there be any um, appearances for Cohen before he goes to jail where it will be um, you know, viewed by the public? Yeah, so if that House Oversight Committee uh, testimony happens, that one will be in public. Now, I do think people are going to be just, you know, very fascinated by the spectacle of it all, but I don't expect us to get a lot of real answers about things that are sensitive that happened and that Cohen has to say, because as we know, he's already said that, you know, things that... Ref 
pertain to the Mueller investigation, he's not going to talk about. So I don't think we're going to get all of the answers that we're looking for from a hearing like that. I think those answers could more likely come in the closed-door sessions. The closed-door sessions. Well, uh, that's not all, of course, that's going on uh, in the district. Here's a tweet from ABC News. Acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker, also known as the like the Mr. Clean guy, um, says Robert Mueller investigation is, I think, close to being completed. Uh, I hope that we can get the report from Doc Director Mueller, uh, which no one calls him that, I think, um, as soon as possible. And Zerlina Maxwell responded, I'm concerned we aren't taking that Matt Whitaker quote without an appropriate grain of salt. Mm. So Emma, how should we take Whitaker's statement on the Mueller investigation? You know, I think that what people have said, including our own Chris Geidner, our legal editor, I've said on Twitter is that we should take this with a huge grain of salt, a giant chunk of salt. Um, you know, Whitaker said that he has been briefed by Mueller, but I saw a great tweet yesterday from a fellow reporter that said, you know, when I tell my editors I'm close to filing, I'm usually not as close to filing my story as they would like me to be. And I just thought that was, you know, a great comment about all this. You know, and what, what that means, you know, whether it's going to be done soon. That could mean weeks. It could be months. We don't know uh, because this has been a long investigation. So maybe they think one month is going to be soon. Maybe they think a couple weeks is going to be soon. We just don't know. And he also hedged his language fairly carefully. He said, I think. Uh, so I think I think that uh, we should take this with a grain of salt. The fact is, Mueller has been very secretive about what he does. We don't really have a great understanding of what he's up to. There have been stories like this in the past where they've said Mueller's wrapping up and then he didn't really wrap up. So we will see. Yeah, and I, I thank you again for you know the whole, the whole jar of salt we need to take with Whitaker's comments. Is it fair to say that there could be a scenario in which what he was actually doing was perhaps performing for an audience of one being the president himself? You know, Democrats have certainly accused Whitaker of, 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 of not, you know, of, of being in a conflict of interest, not recusing himself uh, from the Mueller investigation because of some of his connections and his roles and, and things uh, related to Trump and whatnot, um, because he, you know, he worked with Sessions, who was recused. And so I think that is, that is a criticism that has definitely been leveled. Um, and Whitaker himself is actually scheduled to testify before the House Judiciary Committee very soon. And so so he will certainly be grilled about those those uh, topics as well. Okay. Well, Emma, as always, thanks for joining us. Stay warm out there. Yeah, good luck. I'll continue living in sin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shut it down. Shut it down. You said it. You said it. I was like, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. You said it. Oh, I said it. Oh, okay, all right. I'm going to send her a DM later. All right. Uh, you know we've talked about social influencers mm -hmm. pretty frequently. It's kind of our thing. Um, but up next, Stephanie McNeil joins us uh, to talk with Anna Silman about what it's like living with an influencer. I don't know anything like that. I ain't lived that life at all. All taking your photos. Hey, get a photo of me over here. Hey, get a photo of me. Here's a tweet from Anna Silman, who is a senior culture writer at The Cut. What's it like having an influencer in the family? Nine brave survivors tell their stories. 
Well, Anna joins me now to help shed a light on these stories. And I, for one, am very fascinated <laughs> by what it could possibly be like to know one of these influencers we see on social media. Yeah. Um, so basically the piece, we, we talked to nine people who have influencers in the family, whether it's um, you know, their kids or their siblings. And we just found out that everyone had like a really different relationship to that. Some people really leaned in um, and even started accounts of their own. Some people hated it. Um, you know, the full gamut. Do you have a couple that you could just give an, as an example that, you know, had different experiences? Yeah, so we talked to um, one woman and her brother, um, became quite a prominent influencer doing these sort of viral recreations of celebrity outfits. Um, and then he actually was outed to his parents by like his viral stardom. Um, and they come from a very conservative family. And it was because of his sort of influencer career that he, like that they found out that he was gay. So she talked about how she kind of had to be like a sort of go between between her brother and her parents. Um, and it was just this kind of interesting family story, you know, put through the lens of social media stardom. I think I liked her story the best, actually, because it was, it was, I mean, it was obviously very sad, but it was also, you know, she kind of stepped up and took care of him in that way than other people, right. you know, when her, their parents weren't willing or able to. Uh, you know, you mentioned that one woman actually described herself as a mini Kris Jenner to her daughters, right? Yeah, she was fun. Um, she, <laughs> she has two daughters who are both influencers, and they take photos together. And she said she's kind of stepped into the role of momager. Mm. Um, you know, she, she steps in when they have fights. She um, helps them with their bookings. Um, you know, there was a photo of them on a, on it seemed like a private plane together, and she... Um, you know, she's taken on the momager role. So some people really, really love seeing their families uh, get that kind of success. I mean, what the world needs more of is momagers, am I right? <laughs> yeah. No, that's not true. <laughs> um, so obviously all of these stories were very different, mm -hmm. but I did find that people kind of fell into two semi-camps, right? There was the people who enjoyed the influencer to that extreme or just kind of thought it was funny and didn't really care. Yeah. And then there was the people who thought it was dumb or were even really embarrassed by it or didn't want to be associated with it at all, right? right. What do you think that says about, maybe about the influencers themselves? I feel like that, that also kind of shows how people view influencers. I feel people go in those two camps. Yeah, I mean, I think it is just such a pervasive part of everyday life. Like, you kind of can't avoid it. I saw that when I was writing the piece. It was definitely not hard to find um, people who were related to influencers. Um, so I think you know, a lot of people just have to accept it, that it's, you know, it is a business for some people, they are making money. And then of course we had one guy who um, had dated an influencer and he was just like, I cannot be with someone who's posting, you know, every single thing they do all day. And then when I get home, I know everything she's done that day because it drives me crazy. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. <laughs> and I think that's kind of the same for relationships as well, because in the piece you had a husband who, was totally on board with it and ended up making it his like life as well. So I think people are either like really into it or they're like, get me away from it, which I kind of feel like is how people view influencers, just anyone. Yeah. Do you think there's any ethics involved? I mean, we're talking ethics and influencers here. Um, <laughs> Heavy stuff. Yeah, the not, not, a lot of, uh, not a lot of ethics in the influencer world as far as we can tell. But do we think that there are some ethics to making choices for your own family and not putting them online if they don't want to be online? 
I mean, I think that's an interesting question, and we're seeing that a lot with the current generation of mommy bloggers um, whose kids are finally coming of age and saying, like, Mom, like, why are you posting, you know, pictures of me in the bathtub, like, on your Tumblr? I think that's been really interesting. But, you know, in these cases, um, the people I spoke to, their relatives were adults, and I think at that point, you know, people can make their own choices with how much they want to share. Um, it's certainly gets into a gray area when you start posting about your family members. And we did have one guy who said, you know, he'd be up in the morning and dancing around in his boxers. And then, you know, a couple hours later, he'd see it on his sister's Instagram uh, <gasps> for 20,000 people. So Wow, that is nightmare <laughs> right there. Okay, so I have one final question for you, and it's extremely serious. Okay. If your relative was going to be an influencer, mm -hmm. would you be all in and, like, try to get in on that sweet spawn con? Or would you be like, keep me out of this? Oh, I think I'd go all in. Uh, my dad has a, a Twitter account where he complains about airplane noise. He has about um, 30 followers, but I, I would fully support him if he became viral. Uh, this, is a, this is a follow Tuesday. We <laughs> need to follow your dad's Twitter account. What is it? Um, I'd have to look that up. Tweet it out, <laughs> yeah. tweet it out, tweet it out. That sounds amazing. So you'd be all in, you'd be okay. into it. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you can get some spawn con on your Instagram too, support them. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> get some money in your pocket. Well, Anna, thank you so much Thanks for joining me. me. Up next, you know her from the Pussycat Dolls, and now she's a judge on the Masked Singer. Nicole Scherzinger is here. Hello, my queens. This is The Sit Down, and I'm here with the wonderful Nicole Scherzinger, a judge on Fox's new singing competition show, The Masked Singer. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, hey, girl. <laughs> okay, so I love this. The concept of The Masked Singer is crazy. Um, but as soon as the show came out, like, it takes over the timeline every Wednesday night. Uh, what was it about the show that got you excited? It was something different, mm -hmm. new, something I'd never seen before. Right. The show originated in Asia. Uh -huh. um, it's, it's not just like all the other singing competitions mm -hmm. out there. It's celebrities behind mm -hmm. these elaborate masks. Right, and the costumes are pretty cool. They're really cool. I like it, I like the rabbit. <laughs> yeah, because he's so in character mm -hmm. and he's so mm -hmm. full out, the, like yeah. the straight jacket rabbit. Incredible. Everybody Incredible. just brings their own life to the character as well once they get in the costumes. I love it. Have you had um, a favorite reveal so far or one, you know, a celebrity you would love to come get behind one of those masks? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, uh, I, I can't say who it is, okay. but there is someone when, once they're revealed, I had no idea. And I think totally. I teared up, actually. Oh, my God. So you, you got the judge, you, you guys really don't know. You're not, like, pretending. No, we have no idea. Okay. No one knows. Uh, it's, like, the most lockdown thing ever. Mm -hmm. The contestants are fully covered in all black. Okay. And then their entourage is fully covered as well. Oh, so, mm -hmm. even, so you're even, like, I don't know that makeup artist or. Have no idea. Oh, and the wow. other contestants have no idea who each other are. Either. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, well, and also, I. You know, you of course, as you mentioned, there are all kinds of different singing shows and like X Factor. I love, I loved mm -hmm. X Factor. Uh, what's it like being able to judge on different singing competition shows? Like, how do you kind of make those decisions yourself? Um, you just kind of go in the moment, um, whatever each show needs of, of me. Uh, X Factor is a lot different. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you can change people's lives with this right. show yeah, <laughs> and uh, make real careers mm -hmm. come from this show. Um, but I feel mm -hmm. like I'm really good artist ambassador, being an artist mm -hmm. myself, and I'm able, uh, I pride myself on being a good mentor mm -hmm. and bringing the best out of 
out of these co contestants, but this show is just more fun. We it's don't take fun. ourselves too serious, right. but it's also a great journey for some of the contestants. It's mm -hmm. really transformational journey mm -hmm. for some of them because they come and get to tell their own story mm -hmm. and kind of face some of their fears mm -hmm. and they're courageous in their own way, especially for being courageous for coming out on our very first show. Right. It's kind of like the singing version uh -huh. of Dancing with the Stars, but with masks, it's you know? It's a new challenge. And you know, and as someone, of course, we love Pussycat Dolls and Eden's mm -hmm. Crush, you know, and you've, you Ooh, know, and been on stage, shout out, you know, <laughs> been on stage and everything. Are you still kind of surprised by the, the power of performance? Like, like you said, seeing people take risks, is it something that kind of still gets to you when you're seeing it live? Absolutely. Mm. You have to be, especially mm. as a lover of music, but as a musician and an artist, I mean, mm -hmm. it's what moves me. Yeah. Music moves me. People's performance, their hearts, when they're in it, their passion, when they really mean it. That's my favorite way of communicating with mm. people. It's my best way. Sometimes when I'm talking, it sounds like wah, 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 wah. But when I'm singing, <laughs> you know, and yeah. I'm on stage, that's the way I know how to communicate. So I just love it when I, I'm always in it. Mm -hmm. I don't get jaded with stuff like that. Oh, that's good. I care. I care just as much as I care for my art. When I see people, I'm mm -hmm. like, I need to feel it. I need to feel the rush yeah. in it. In my veins. Gotta hear the heat, gotta hear the heat. I have to ask about new music because, I mean, you do have one of the strongest pop voices, girl. We want you out here, queen. <laughs> and I, I saw you posted about being back in the studio, I think, in London recently. Yeah. Are we gonna I've, get to hear you soon? I've been in the studio. People are always like, are you still singing? And I'm like, I never stop, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> she just gave Still me this going. voice, Still and it's uh, every day I'm singing. Mm -hmm. I was actually just in Madison Square Gardens, sold out, casual. Okay, chill. Uh, no, just real uh, chill. Real, real <laughs> chill about that with um, Andrea Bocelli oh, at the wow. end of last year for the holiday season. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was amazing. I got to sing The Prayer and mm -hmm. Never Enough from The Greatest Showman. I don't know if oh you've ever gosh, seen that. Yes. Yeah, that was like a, a dream come true for Incredible. me to do that on that stage with such an amazing orchestra. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, I've been in the studio doing lots mm. of new music that I'm excited. Mm. And I was just, I just wrote an awesome song the other day as well. It's called, I love it. Called, and it. And what kind of like uh, sound are you kind of really responding to? Um, it's pop, R&B, urban pop. You know, mm. it's got a, really got a vibe. Mm -hmm. um, I tend to tend to do and write a lot of songs in, in uh, about love mm -hmm. and relationships and mm -hmm. some of the struggles within that. And then on the other side, I'm getting back to the basics and writing at the piano. I love um, that. And I'm, I'm writing more stuff that's really inspiring, mm -hmm. uplifting, empowering, because I need that. It's a new year mm -hmm. and it's all about, I always say new year, new you, yeah. you know, being in a really positive mm -hmm. um, frame of mind. Yeah, especially when 2018 was pretty intense. Yeah, and, and I, I love that you're writing your songs yourself and you're at the, at the piano. Are there collaborators that you oh, yes. are working I with? Oh yes, I don't do play the piano. Okay. I, that's how I love to write with people mm -hmm. on the keys or guitar. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I've got great team of people that okay. I work with, but I usually work like usually one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I love but that. like when you strip it back, I mean, mm -hmm. with the instruments, or it's fun to write to a, a beat too as yeah. well. Cool. Well, I am so excited. I'm excited to hear this new music from you, Queen. Yeah. There's a lot of fun projects I'm excited about this cool. year, but it's much better that you wait and see them than I'm like, oh, talk okay. about them. I like <laughs> it. I'm all about that. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been so fun. And guys, you can watch Nicole Judge and give life on The Masked Singer Wednesdays <laughs> on Fox. It takes over the timeline every night. So if you're not watching it, you're still seeing tweets about it. So you might as well get into it as well. Stay tuned for more AM to DM. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you. 
Here's a tweet from Andrea Gonzalez Ramirez, excuse me. In 2019, it's time to undo Ted Bundy's delusions of grandeur and remember him as he should be, as a gutless creep who could only feel power by preying on the vulnerable. Ashley Elise Edwards, senior news and politics editor at Refinery29, joins me now to talk about why this serial killer is still captivating audiences. Ashley, good morning. Good morning, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Let's start with your piece, all right? Uh, you wrote, Ted Bundy wasn't special or smart, he was just white. <laughs> so where, let's start with like, where did you, where did the idea of this myth that Ted Bundy is so smart kind of come from? Well, I was watching the documentary and I was kind of struck by how many times people in the documentary referred to him as smart and handsome and charming because I wasn't getting any of that at all. And I think that at the time the media really played into Ted's own delusions and really just let this myth take off. Um, if you look at the facts, Ted wasn't that smart. He didn't get great scores in his LSAT. He had to settle for a second tier law school, which he ended up dropping out, wasn't getting good grades there. Um, he wasn't really smart or popular in high school. And the biggest part of the myth for me that really upsets me is that he was charming and he kind of lured these women away with his his charm and his allure, which isn't true. He crept up on women at night when they were walking home alone. He broke into their house while they were sleeping. He kidnapped children. His last victim is a 12-year-old girl who he abducted while she was at school in a big white van. So he wasn't charming these women. He was sneak attacking them, and he's a, he was a coward. And I just think that this whole thing of him being a genius needs to die. You just read Ted Bundy for <laughs> filth, and I loved it. And that's why I loved your piece so much. Yeah, you were like, not, not good grades, not even that charming. He was just grabbing people. This, uh, let's talk a little bit though, how, how did he use his whiteness? to kind of get away with these things and help build up this myth. So I definitely think at the time, the media, like I said, played into this. He was able to walk around court, which I found the most shocking. He was walking around court free, not even shackled or handcuffed in any way. And reporters were kind of laughing and joking with him because at the time, the term serial killer was something new. And I guess because Ted wasn't like foaming at the mouth and looking all raggedy, people were like, oh, like he's so charming, boy next door. Also, the media kind of helped this develop by interviewing women who were coming to court and fawning over him. And I think it just speaks to how we have to be responsible when we're covering crime and who we kind of give voices to um, and kind of making these serial killers cult heroes in mm. a really sick way. And so that's kind of talking about the way it was covered at that time. But now, as you mentioned, there's a Netflix documentary, which you, you wrote about and you watch. Uh, there's also this Zac Efron movie. Uh, it's a long title, so I'm just going to look down. Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. So why do you think Hollywood is so interested in kind of Ted Bundy projects now? I think that there's a fascination of serial with serial killers in our country, and I don't think there's anything wrong on the surface with people being kind of intrigued about how a serial killer's mind operates. I think the problem is when we kind of romanticize them and make them into something they're not, like they're evil geniuses, when usually they're just losers and creeps, like Ted Bundy was. <laughs> and I think Zac Efron playing Bundy is kind of like, if you're a kid who's never heard of Ten Buddy and you see Zac Efron playing him like he's some like James Dean bad guy, mm -hmm. you kind of lose what his victims, what he did to his victims. He bludgeoned them to death. He 
had sex with their corpses. He kidnapped and raped little a little girl. Mm-hmm. I think that gets lost when you have someone handsome like Zac Efron and from like High School Musical. Yeah, playing all of a sudden, Ted Bundy. Yeah, playing that. To that point, Netflix tweeted, "I've seen a lot of talk about Ted Bundy's alleged hotness, and would like to gently remind everyone that there are literally thousands of hot men on the surface." Uh, um, you know, obviously, like Noah yeah. Centineo, right? Yes. Shout out to you, buddy. Almost <laughs> all of killer. whom are not convicted serial murders. So, casting Zac Efron obviously romanticizes this a little bit. Uh, do you think either of these projects are worth watching? I do think the documentary is worth watching. Okay. I found it somewhat interesting because the people who interviewed Ted Bundy on Death Row. Hugh Ainsworth and I'm forgetting the other one's name, Stephen Machad, they were kind of like, you know, Ted Bundy was delusional. And in within the snippets of people fawning over him, there are law enforcement who was like, no, he was a creep. He was a loser. He was human garbage. And I think it kind of, it, it gets to the point of that serial killers don't need to look like monsters on the surface, mm-hmm. but they're also not these special beings. They are just normal people. Mm-hmm. And also to Ted's looks, police said that he was able to blend in and kind of escape because he was just so average looking. He yeah. could have looked like anyone. He was no Zac Efron, so I just want that to be out. <laughs> Ted, you were bland. You were bland. You blended in. Yes. Real quick question before we let you go. You wrote this piece. We're going to tweet it now, of course, so that other people can read it if they haven't had a chance to already. You're, you're getting a lot of harassment for it online as yeah. well. What kind of stuff are you seeing out there, and, and how do you deal with it? Well, people are calling me racist and saying that Ted Bundy was really smart, he had a high IQ, and I'm just ignore it. I, I block them because I you know I'm not the one on the internet defending a serial killer, so it's not that big of a deal to me. <laughs> Ashley, you can come back anytime. Thank you so much for bringing all for this knowledge, me. for bringing this insight. Uh, screw the trolls, they're bland too. Like, we'll just like ignore them as well. Up next, Saeed and I are reacting to a few more of your tweets. Come on, give it up here, buddy. Thank you for Nice me. job, thank you for coming on. Reading Ted Bundy for filth. Oh my God, I mean, wow. I mean, wow, Ashley, shout out to her uh, and her piece. But yeah, wow, it's, that's, as I've understood it, Ted Bundy, and I'm not like a, I'm not interested in serial killers, so I'm not someone who like watches a lot of. You're not that real crime kind of guy. Just like not my thing, but I do feel his reputation, the way Ted Bundy is often discussed, I think she's totally right. It's like, I would have thought until I read her piece that he was like the super smart, Mm -hmm. suave guy picking up women at parties and bars. No, he was kidnapping women and children when they were alone on the street. He raped a high school, like a, a child, you know, and oh my God. So we you just have to think these things through. And absolutely. like, I think casting Zac Efron is quite a choice. That is. It absolutely is. That that said, Woo. I, I want to say, because it did premiere at Sundance, yeah. I've heard that Zac Efron does incredible yeah. in the role. Yeah. So it's yeah. going to be interesting to see it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And the documentary sounded good, right? She was saying the documentary She was, she was saying it was worth your time. Okay. But again, she was yeah. like, just keep in ooh. mind that this motherfucker yeah. was the worst. He was bland. That's what I love. She was I like, bland. I like, yeah, I like that she was just like, she wasn't even trying to give him that. She was just like, he's bland. His IQ wasn't that good. His yeah. scores weren't that good. LSAT sucked. Yeah, she was like, he's in the grave, but I'm going to read him right back into the grave. Well, anyway, we have a lot to be afraid of, apparently. We also asked you uh, what electronic device you think will spy on us next. Answers all of them. Jolie said, I had neighbors who thought Furbies were spying on us. Yeah, to which I said, Jolie, how do you know they weren't? <laughs> You don't know. Here's the thing. There was like a story not that long ago. It was a child's toy that Uh I think connected to the Wi-Fi, and they found out that the company was data collecting. 
Yeah, I know, you're right. I'm not, Not no, that far from the truth. Yeah. It's, All right. I, I hate, I, this is like, man, technology, techno-capitalism, get your shit together. I hate having to agree with Isaac and his paranoia about this shit. I am irritated. Uh, they're telling me to move along, but I'm just going to bask in this for a moment. I'm just going to, ooh, this feels good. But then Kat added, one day I was talking, just talking, not typing anything mm. about a particular ice cream brand with a friend, and then later that night, an ad for that ice cream showed up on my Instagram and Facebook when I tell you I screamed. Yeah. That, see, that's We've talked about it on the show that that has happened to that us before. That feels normal now. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's not what surprises yeah. me. Like, my thing is going to be when my fridge is like, you opened to me 32 <laughs> times and I know you need more beer and oh, mm, mm. Okay, well, we are oh, just like changing the subject. We asked you what's the wildest you've ever, the wildest thing you've ever seen uh, experienced in cold weather, aside from like white people wearing shorts and flip flops in the middle <laughs> of winter. Prana said, uh, my first winter in New York when it snowed, I uh, thought it would not be a big deal to quickly pop across the, oh my God! No, Prof, I was just talking about people doing this. Read the tweet. across the street <laughs> to Grisendi's Market. They can see it. It's on their screens. In my sandals, nearly got frostbite and sympathetic looks from strangers in the elevator on my way back. Yeah. No. Don't do it. And I, yeah, I feel you. I mean, let's again be clear. This is a seriously dangerous cold that is hitting the rest of the country. Don't be out there trying to keep it cute. Oh, it's, no, this is seriously dangerous and cold. So please be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you know people, if you know elderly family members or people you need to check on and everything, this is this is absolutely one of those situations to take it seriously. And the same goes for homeless populations yes. in cities. Let's yes. be sure that we are checking the best Woo. ways to donate Child. and support people who are going to be in need of shelter. Yes. So thank you for doing that. And thank you to our guest, Jake Swearingen. Dr. Judah Cohen, Emma Loop, Anna Stillman, Stephanie McNeil, Nicole Scherzinger, and Ashley Elise Edwards. Who she brought the fire. She was great. She, she was, was great. great. All right, before we go, though, we do have some good news. am to dm has been nominated for a Shorty Award <laughs> for Web Series. That's a big one. Yes. That's a big no. one. Us. Okay, of course, we appreciate you all for tuning in every morning and tweeting us. We'll tweet out the link now. We're not shameless. Uh, we are shameless, actually. <laughs> Vote for us. Vote for us. Vote for us. We're Vote not and We're DM. We're running, darling. Vote That's for us. That's right. <laughs> we will be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. We'll see you then. Stay warm.